well. Good morning, beloved sons and daughters of God, in whom your Father is already well pleased. Is it just me, or in a season like this where we're facing challenges and a lot of disruption, do you really begin to appreciate your, your friends and your family, the community that you're a part of? Do you, do you realize how important they are, how much they contribute to your life, how much you have an opportunity to serve within your family, within your community? I've been reflecting on that this morning and just feeling you know, overwhelmed and so grateful for all of you. And even during the worship service, I was watching uh, Alyssa and there she was with baby Moses resting right on her. And can you imagine what it's like to have a worshiping mother? From the time he was in her womb, he heard her worshiping. And now less than about one month old, I guess, today, there he is in the middle of a worship service, part of a community, being loved on. And I really began to just feel so blessed that the McCann children have a heritage um, coming, an inheritance of faith, of family, of community. I can't even imagine uh, what is going to come out of their lives as they just continue to follow after the Lord. And, and in part of that appreciation that I've been sensing again, I know I've said it, but I can't emphasize it enough, watching Alyssa and Miko step into the challenges and the responsibilities the weight that they've been carrying between a disaster in their house and a new baby coming and social distancing. Oh, yeah, and live streaming and so many other areas. Um, you can tell what a person is made of by how they respond in a time of crisis. And so I just want to bless the McCann family, the incredible heritage those kids have. In fact, let's just pray for them now. Father, we thank you so much for the gift that you've given our community in Miko and Alyssa their devotion to you, their commitment to just walk in faith and to uh, bless each other, to love each other unselfishly, to raise up their children in uh, unconditional love and an atmosphere of worship, God. We just look so forward to what the years are going to uh, reveal to this family and what uh, contribution they're going to make to countless people. So we bless their lives. We ask for you to continue to anoint them and guide them and provide for them and protect them and bless them, Lord, and help us just cheer them on in all the many, many good things that you're doing in their lives. We celebrate you especially being the God of the McCann family. So we thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So don't ever say I don't pray for you guys or appreciate you. I, I now have documentation. I have evidence of my appreciation of you. Um, and honestly, I have a, a great deal of appreciation for the community that Lori and I are honored to be a part of. And um, I was reflecting today on some of our core values and really the heart of the message is on one of our primary ones. But you know, I was thinking through what over the years have been the values of this community. And uh, Lori and I were at a pastor's conference some years ago and uh, one of the pastors who spoke mentioned that uh, they had, her and her husband had taken um, a church over, and so they thought they were going to spend three to six months and kind of teach what their passion was and their values were, what they felt their calling was about, and kind of establish the core values for that community. And much to their surprise, in their experience, it actually took more like five years for 
it not just to be conversation, but for the values to actually be learned, uh, understood, uh, and then walked out. And I thought, man, that is depressing. But as I think about the abiding place journey, uh, I honestly think that's true. It's taken about five years for us to all get on the same page that the government of heaven is family, that we are sons and daughters, we become mothers and fathers, that there's uh, a bride and there's a groom and there's a father. And so uh, how do you live in family? How do you become family? How do you contribute generously into the lives of those around you? You know, living that out, believing unshakably in the goodness of God is a core value for us. No matter what happens in your circumstances, uh, the class, um, the goodness of God that we're going through right now, we, we, by the way, I didn't mention this on our Tuesday night class, uh, session six is going to be from chapter eight of the book, and we're only going to do the one session. We're going to spend time uh, waiting on the Lord and prophesying over each other and enjoying worship together, as well as uh, the teaching from Bill Johnson. So at any point, anyone, if you're interested, you can join in on that class. We'll just uh, include you on that Zoom distribution list. And so you're, you'll still enjoy the class just as much if you're checking in just now. So all you have to do is send me an email with the email address that you want me to send the invite to. So um, other values of our community are a joy and hope, the strength that comes from a grateful heart, from a thankful heart, a joyful heart, a, a heart that's overwhelmed with gratitude is one of the most powerful forces, I believe, on earth, and a hope in the goodness of God, that confident expectation of good, him taking everything that's happening in your life. Uh, last week, there, part of the class, Bill made a statement, something to the uh, line of unexpected uh, circumstances are just an opportunity for God to prove his goodness. And by the way, Lori and I had some of the most extreme unexpected circumstances that I've had in actually several years. And, you know, it, it, we, we had to wrestle through some. We had, it shook us a little bit. Uh, one of the ones on Thursday night at 3.30 in the morning, our alarms went off in the house, and it was yelling fire, and we were looking for smoke. And then later it said carbon monoxide, and we were exhausted, kind of nauseated. We had some of the symptoms of it. It was a very, very disturbed night. And it's like, okay, I'm looking for the goodness of God in carbon monoxide. So how did that work? And, and by the way, uh, just I had off to Northwest Natural Gas. We called them, and man, they were there in a hurry with an emergency tester to make sure that our house was safe, and it, it appears to be just fine. So, uh, but it was dramatic, and there were many other circumstances similar. Isn't it funny to walk in faith? We know that faith is the substance of things that are hoped for. You don't possess them yet. You, you're still believing for something that doesn't exist, but you're believing because of the one who has made the promise. You're confident in that. So anyway, joy and hope, a culture of honor, treating each other like we really are created in the image of God, um, the transforming power of God's presence, of course, we believe in and teach on regularly. We believe the gifts are for today, uh, and, uh, and like the gifts of the prophetic, we love words of prophecy, we love uh, words of wisdom, we love words of knowledge, we love anything where the Holy Spirit is anointing our words to accomplish his purposes deep inside of the hearts of each other. Uh, we love generosity, we love seeking uh, understanding 
by the Holy Spirit through revelation as we approach the Word of God and not just studying it like a textbook. <clears throat> we love hearing God's voice. We're obsessed with the necessity of having such an intimate relationship with God that we know how to hear his voice and how to respond, and many, many others. But the one today that affects our, our message is the phrase, belong, believe, and behave. Um, often in my church experience, churches have done it upside down. They, uh, first, they want you to behave, dress the way you're supposed to, talk about the things you're supposed to, act a certain way, you know, become a part of a community and act like they do. And then they'll have a membership seminar and you can learn what their doctrine is and what they believe and you can, you know, come to uh, believe the same way they believe about things. And then guess what? You get to belong. You join the membership. Uh, the problem is so much of that is external. So much of that is actually performance. And it isn't what Jesus did with his disciples. And so uh, I know we share this from time to time, but again, reminding people of our core values. And uh, this isn't just stuff that we talk about. This is stuff that we begin to actually value, stuff we begin to believe in such a way that we become transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so, um, you know, Jesus, he just said, come follow. You know, he just invited them, come be a part of my family. Let's hang out, let's do meals. You can watch what's happening. Uh, there were no qualifications. In fact, most of the people he called were very unqualified and not people that most people would pick to, to do life with. And, and then over time, they began to understand. They began to see the words and the deeds of Jesus. They began to realize what the values really were. And then Peter's great confession of faith, you know, you're the Christ, you have the words of life. I mean, Peter began to confess all of the right things as he began to believe them. And then instantly, poof, in a moment, Peter was transformed from uh, overreactive, impulsive person. No, Peter still believed, but he still had his personality that needed to come into alignment with those beliefs. And over time, he became the Peter that we know who loved like Jesus loved, who was a rock for the church, who he began to be transformed by what he believed in a progressive sort of way. So I, uh, as I was thinking about these things, um, I asked the Lord this morning in prayer, um, you know, what do you want to talk about? And uh, uh, I heard a very simple uh, phrase. He just said, enter my rest. And so I, I sat with that for a moment and I thought, okay, enter my rest. And I realized I don't understand at times what it means to, you know, how, how many of us, when we're in a difficult circumstance, a challenging situation arises, do you immediately attack it with your uh, willpower, with your commitment, with your intellect, with, you know, your emotions, you try to intimidate others to fixing the problem, or whatever, whatever, if it's control, if it's manipulation, if it's over-analysis, if it's um, just willpower, uh, it's so easy to kick into that gear of handling things and not believing really that you can be so much more powerful, so much more effective when you come out of a place of actually rest. And so um, the Lord gave me three areas that he told me about this morning for entering rest. And he said, we need to rest in the strength of community, and that's belonging. We need to rest in our union, in our communion with him, and that's believing in him and then we need to rest 
in the finished work. And uh, so I, I've been praying around that and sitting with that. And as many of you know, I'm in the book of Hebrews right now in my systematic reading of the Bible. And uh, so I want to read from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. And I want to go beyond the superficial. I want this message to encourage in me, encourage in us, a greater capacity in, in a real way to learn how to rest in the Lord, how to entrust things into his care. What does that look like? How do we actively engage? How do we strive for rest? Um, and Hebrews 4, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us, just as it did to them, talking about the children of Israel, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. So they heard the same words and a promise of rest, but they weren't able to enter it <coughs> because it wasn't joined, it wasn't united with faith and faith that would lead to transformation. And so I, uh, I've been, again, thinking a lot about community, a lot about family, and <coughs> I encourage you, wherever your walk is with the Lord, we all need um, spiritual mothers and fathers. We need people who we are respecting who we're watching who we see them walking out their faith and their life and their calling and inspire us uh, to be able to uh, imitate them and so i don't care but when i'm 80 years old i'm still going to be appreciating and honoring my spiritual mothers and fathers and so i first i challenge you to enter into the rest of the strength of community and community means having people who can speak into your life and who you can speak into their life. How intentional are you now about becoming a spiritual mother and father and how much are you honoring those spiritual mothers and fathers that are in your life? And so uh, uh, I, I'm going to indulge myself and tell the story one more time. For me, one of the greater uh, spiritual fathers in my life that I had a personal relationship was a man named John Lancaster. And uh, I, I loved him. He was very theatrical. He... Uh, he would always just, he'd shake his head and go, oh my, my, my. And then he would always tell me, well, I just don't have many opinions anymore. And then John would spend 45 minutes giving me chapter and verse on his most current opinion on things. And, uh, but my favorite was one time, I'd been a year or so since I'd seen him, and I walked in his office, and he looks me up and down real quick, and he goes, you appear to be more substantial than the last time I saw you. And uh, he was calling me fat. And I went, yeah, yes, John, I, I am. And he goes, you know, back in my day, we had a saying, great girth indicates great worth. And John had some weight to him, and he grabbed his stomach. And I nodded my head, trying to keep up. And I said, I understand, John. I believe that godliness with contentment is great gain. And I grabbed my roll. And then without missing a beat, he looks right at me, and he goes, I understand, all of the fat is the Lord's. And I decided to quit then. I wasn't going to be able to, to win. And so we had many moments like that. But another one that he did that I thought of this morning 
is he told me how in his observation serving in ministry for his whole adult life how few people enter uh, into um, rest how few people how few sheep enter the the pen there are sheep out there and they're running around the fields and they're doing their thing but they're not really there's there's even a shepherd but the shepherd wants to draw the sheep in and bring them into that place of rest where they're under his protection and his provision. Very few come into the fold. And, uh, you know, I think he's right. I think uh, not many people enter into community where they're entering into the rest of being part of the fold of other believers uh, and, and I don't know what gets in the way. I don't know if we're afraid of getting rejected. I don't know if we're afraid of getting hurt. I don't know, you know, I mean, s fear of submission to love is just a universal fear for all of us. A and yet relationship is perhaps the highest value of the kingdom. And, you know, thinking about my life, the churches I've had an honor to be a part of, the people that I've walked with, the men that I've met with, on a weekly basis who are invited to speak into my life. All of it has become a tremendous source of stability and a source of strength. Um, I, I looked up the word ekklesia, the word for church in Greek, and it's the word that's actually used in Revelations chapter 1 where um, God is talking to the seven churches. And uh, I don't want to do a, a word study necessarily, but basically ekklesia is those who are called out, those who are like called, like John was saying, into the, the sheepfold, into that place where they're in relationship with him and with each other and under that protection and in that provision. And uh, so they're called out, they're uh, gathered together, they're assembled, all of these things are what ecclesia means. Uh, it's an assembly of, I love this definition of it, this part of it, it's an assembly of free citizens who are called to gather by a herald, by someone making an announcement, by somebody saying, I have news, uh, let's gather, let's listen together. That's why we do church. Ecclesia church is actually not the building, of course, it's the gathering of God's family and uh, hearing together, um, worshiping together, uh, belonging together. So that together we're learning at the same time and beginning to believe the same values and not just believe them, but walk them out. And so uh, I, yeah, there's, there's another section that talks about uh, belonging to one another. Romans 7, 4 uh, says that we died to the law that you may belong to another to belong to Christ. And as we belong to Christ, we belong to each other. There's that connection and that union and that you know, common faith. Um, I remember when Lori and I were dating, I lived in Vancouver and she lived out in Newburgh. And man, I had to be in love to keep making that journey. And uh, I remember one day, everybody was kind of tired and I think they were watching TV and I drove out there. And uh, Lori was tired that day and she was, um, I think, reading a book. And I remember just kind of like, wow, I don't know, you know, if it's necessarily worth the drive, even though I was head over heels. Uh, but we went out to the dining room and we pulled out a Bible 
and we sat down and talked about a passage that I had been reading, and it was probably only 20 minutes. It was probably only 20 or 30 minutes, and she gave me her perspective and her input and experiences that she'd had, and I gave her mine, and this deep sense of calm and well-being just kind of came over me. It's like, wow, whatever the years may bring, we always have this to connect around, to talk about, to honor God's word in our lives and apply it to our lives and, s- and learn it together and grow together. There was a sense of incredible belonging um, and unity that came to me um, through that experience, which really, again, makes me appreciate the importance of resting, trusting, and the strength of the relationships that we have uh, in our lives. Um, I'll only refer to this very quickly, but I learned uh, in my counseling and my marriage work, uh, something called the the RAM model, the relational, um, whoa, I just blanked, RAM, help me look, relational attachment model is what it stands for, Woo. okay, that was close, um, and, and basically there are five steps in developing a safe, trusted, long-term relationship, and the very first one is you've got to come to know somebody, you, you've got to hear what they say and what they say they believe and who they are and then you get to observe what they do it it, when you first meet somebody they're an empty slate you have no idea who this person really is you may get an idea of who they think they are but that might even be skewed so job number one when you're building community is just get to know each other Uh, one of my favorite phrases is relationships are built on shared experiences so, you know, go take a walk, go um, to the coast, go to a retreat, go somewhere, serve together, come to the pantry and serve with some people and come to know them. When you see them in action and standing together, working around a common cause, uh, you've got to come to know people. And then as you come to know them and you realize their strengths and their weaknesses, their blind spots and their sincere gifts, then you can begin to trust them. You can begin to connect your heart and go wow I really believe that's true about you and as you begin to trust somebody uh, the third step is you can begin to rely upon them well you know I know you well enough I trust you and I need uh, a ride to the airport and so would you please come to my house at five in the morning and if you don't show up by the way it's going to be a problem so if if you don't know somebody and you begin to rely too early upon them how many of you have been frustrated by people who Really, you didn't know well enough to know if they were going to follow through or let you down. And, and so you don't want to begin to rely on people too soon until you've built enough relationship. And then after you've begun to rely on people, well then you can really make deeper commitments. I'm going to commit myself to you. I know that you're committing yourself to me. I'm not here to just get every good thing out of you that I possibly can. I'm going to commit myself to unselfishly giving to into your life and i know that you're making a commitment to also not take your personal problems out on me but you have a concern for my long-term welfare and benefit and by the way the ultimate commitment obviously in this process is when a man and woman join their life together in marriage Uh, and then by the way in this model the final area is touch so the number of people who get physical before they even know somebody opens up your heart, your mind, your spirit to all kinds of emotional static and disruption. And uh, this, by the way, is not a faith-based model. This is just a psychological model, but 
you know, you move through those phases over time. You, you know, you trust, you rely, you commit, and then you touch. And so you can get them out of order and cause all kinds of different problems in your life. Um, I really don't feel like I'm doing as well as I would like in uh, challenging you, inspiring you to believe in the necessity and the strength of learning to trust, learning to rest in community. So how many of you are intentional about how you're investing yourself in a neighborhood, in a, a group of friends? How many of you are intentional about doing life together with other people and coming alongside who they are and what they're called to do and who they're called to be? And are you mentoring anybody? Are you a spiritual mother and father? Are you allowing a spiritual mother and father to operate into your life? And uh, I believe we are more protected through the relationships that we have than we can possibly know. Uh, and at the very least, none of us are aware of our blind spots. We're blind to them. Only by having real people in our lives who are walking with the Lord, who are sincere, who you know they're committed enough and you're committed enough that they can speak into your life. It's the only way you can move past areas of vulnerability, areas of weakness, areas of uh, immaturity that there are in your life. And I know an awful lot of people who haven't even moved into community to the degree where they're willing to receive a confrontation. And uh, without that, you're just stuck. You're going to keep going around the same mountain over and over again. And I think, you know, other than divine intervention, God can discipline us and correct us and speak into our life anytime that he wants for some reason that I don't fully understand, he often prefers to do it through others because he wants us interdependent. He wants us connected together. So I probably beat this point as long and as hard as I possibly can. I don't know if I've inspired, but be a part of a community. Um, be intentional. Be faithful. Go regularly. And by the way, the one thing I, I've been meaning to say for actually for months, and, you know, People are often surprised for Lori and I that we value transparency. We don't mind letting people into ugly areas in our life, and we don't mind sharing them in moments like this. But there's a difference between simple transparency and then going deeper into community, into vulnerability. Because I'll share with people, I'll share with a, a room full of people things that I'm already at peace with. If I've made my peace with God, then to be honest, I don't care so much what your opinion is whether you're going to respect me or disrespect me concerning any issue in my life. But there are areas in my life that I'm very sensitive about, that I'm still uh, vulnerable to believing some lie. And so if through a friend they speak something into my life, uh, you know, that is a risk. That is a, a great danger. So uh, I just want to challenge you, just because you may be transparent about things doesn't mean that you're being honest about things you're vulnerable in as well. And so, you, and don't you know, remember the RAM model. You don't just do it with somebody you don't even know. You want to build enough relationship that you know it's time to go and share something hard. Um, Nico, what, what was your phrase you and Alyssa were talking about? Better out than in? Yeah. So we were having a discussion at the beginning of the service that uh, Lori's processing some things. I'm dealing, processing some challenging circumstances. And, you know, it's so much better to, to let it come out. And, and then you can look at it, and then you can process it with somebody else. And so come out of the darkness. Bring even the lies, bring the shame into the light, 
and let friends who can be trusted help you in those areas. Um, several months ago, I was having areas build up in my life that were causing some discouragement and some shame and some uh, disappointments, and I really didn't want to verbalize it to the men's group. I, I told them I felt maybe I needed to go see a counselor, and uh, uh, the Lord challenged me on a Sunday morning, just, okay, well, pray. Talk, talk, talk to me about it and talk out loud. And I said things that I would normally never say to God. I said things I wouldn't say to Lori. I wouldn't say to, to Miko or Joel or any of my friends or any guys in the men's group. I said things that were unfiltered. And uh, honestly, it was like doing communion, community with God, just sharing my heart in that way of vulnerability. And I didn't have uh, a journaling uh, note that came out of it. I didn't have a rational thought or reaction. I just dumped. And, and then I went on with my week. And it was a week later I was in prayer and I realized that at probably 90% of the shame, the, the frustration, the uh, disappointment that I had been dealing with was gone. It had been broken just by bringing it to, to the Lord and, and into that light. And so, um, you know, it, that's one of the strengths of community is learning how to be transparent, but also how to be vulnerable in your moment of need. So the, the second area, resting in your union and communion with, with God, is just believing, um, I don't want to overdevelop this one either, but it's Christ in you, that he's with you. He won't leave you or forsake you. It's Christ in you that is your hope of glory, of God manifesting his presence, manifesting his ways in your life, in the land of the living, because Christ is already residing in you. And all you need to do in any moment is believe more deeply that the Lord is with you moment by moment, that he's never going to turn his back on you. Um, I have had times where... I've turned my back on him. I've gotten distracted. I've gotten discouraged. I didn't. I felt too tired. Uh, he was talking to me this morning. I'd almost like to read the journal entry to you, but I don't want to get into it right now. But he was talking about that he is always, always there. All I ever have to do is turn my attention back on him. And I memorize certain things that I, I want to deepen into my heart so that I can live them out. And again, the practice of the presence of God says that the presence of God is the focusing, the concentrating of the soul's attention on God, remembering that he's always present. So you can practice being in his presence continually if you believe that it's him in you. It's his eminence. It's his presence that is already available to you. And so uh, a short clip from my journal entry this morning, as, uh, by the way, uh, the Lord was talking to me about this because I was having so much trouble entering his rest. I guess I probably didn't say that. I was stressed out. I was trying to worship. I was trying to read the word. I was trying to do everything that I could. But inside, all I had was stress. And it felt cold. And I felt distant. And finally, it wasn't until I began to quiet myself. And I put on some worship music. And I began to say, well, Lord, you know, all I can do is try to talk with you. And I started journaling some things. And finally, that's, that refreshing sense of entering the rest of coming into his presence uh, came but it was hard work it was harder work than normal this morning uh, and finally during that interaction with him I, I heard this he said uh, learn to listen 
reflect, and walk. It is still that easy. So for me, having, dis- having a disquieted soul, when he finally said, you know, it's still, you're learning to listen, you're learning to reflect on what you're hearing, and you're learning how to walk in what you believe I've said. And it isn't complicated. It comes down to resting in the communion that I continually, unshakably, unbreakably have with him. And that should bring rest to your soul. That should bring peace. That he will be with you in every situation that you're going to face throughout this time period and for the rest of your life, he's going to be with you in it. And the third and final area as we're wrapping up is learning to rest in the finished work. And so what, what that means for me is it's not my striving, it's not my performance, it's not my willpower, it's not that my accomplishments, it's not my failures. He has already completed a finished work in my life. Um, the very next verse in Hebrews 4 says, all his works were finished from the foundation of the world. So when we're trying to enter into the rest, we have to first focus on the fact that the work has been done. We're not trying to accomplish the work. We're trying to enter into the work that is already accomplished, that is already fulfilled. That's a brain bender for me. And so um, it reminded me of another time I was in prayer, and I'm just going to read the whole thing for you. Um, And it touches on entering the rest of the finished work. So uh, this was last week I was writing, and and so I just asked, Lord, you know, what do you want to talk about, as I often do. And uh, and all I heard was coming clean. And so I asked, what do you want to show me about uh, becoming clean? And he said, Why is it when I clean someone from their sin, they still don't feel clean? And then my response was, I guess they don't believe in forgiveness the way that you do. And he said, when I forgive, it is done. It is finished. And and then uh, arguing with God a little bit, I said, yeah, what about consequences? And, uh, And he said, forgiveness and consequences are two very different things. Forgiveness without consequence is an immature view of my goodness. There is no condemnation or shame in my forgiveness. Consequences remain as a part of my goodness to break the cycle of negative or self-destructive behavior. But here's the part that really killed me. When you are clean, you are empowered to not sin again. That is the power, or that is the blessing of forgiveness. The curse of not receiving forgiveness is that you remain empowered to fail again. So let me read that last part one more time. When you are clean, you are empowered not to sin again. That is the blessing of forgiveness. The curse of not receiving forgiveness is that you remain empowered to fail again. So for today, learning to enter into the rest of the finished work of his forgiveness for your failures, for your sin, for weakness. If we could really believe and really receive how completely his forgiveness has covered our life, past, present, and future, then 
we behave a different way. We don't have to hide. We don't have to get defensive. We don't have to shift blame. We don't have to get into any areas of flesh because we're not trying to fix it. It's already finished. It's already fixed. I want to learn how to receive that deeper area of forgiveness that empowers me to not be able to sin again. And I don't want to have the ego to think that if God's forgiven me, I still can't forgive myself because I've got to punish myself so that I don't do that again. That self-destructive cycle is not trusting him, not entering into the rest of the finished work he's already done for me to set me free from my own efforts at um, trying to save myself. We already have a Savior, and He's an amazing Savior. And He wants to call us into community. Oh, he wants us to know that He's always with us. He wants us to know that we're already clean and that we don't have to strive and perform. We can rest. And from that place of resting and what He's done and who we are, we're empowered to live a life that will transform the world around us. So, God bless you all. That's what was on my, my heart to share this morning. And let me just close in prayer. Father, we thank you for the family that we're a part of. We thank you for the values that we have all grown in together, that we're learning to walk in and mm, demonstrate to each other consistently. We thank you, Father, that even in this season of stressful circumstances, there's a place of rest, and we don't want to fall short. We don't want to handle things in our own strength and understanding and experience the futility and the frustration of just trying to perform. We thank you that there's a promise of rest, that you ceased from your work and you rested as an example to us of the fruitfulness that can come as we learn to rest in the relationships and the community that we're a part of. We learn to rest in the connection that can never be severed that we have with you. And Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that we can rest in that finished work that before the foundations of the world, you made it possible for us to be forgiven and for that forgiveness to empower us to not have to sin again. So we thank you for all of this. I pray peace and blessing upon everyone who's listening, everyone who's watching right now. Let your Holy Spirit come and settle on each of us. Extinguish the anxiety and the fears and the... Um, striving that we uh, can be vulnerable to. And right now, Holy Spirit, bring that deep sense of calm, of peace, and of trust, and especially resting in you to face the decisions we have to make today and tomorrow and for the rest of our lives. We thank you for all of this, and I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you all.